I'm Monica Garski with NBC7.com. I love writing about San Diego, the people, places, and things that make it a special city to live and visit. I'm married to a chef, so keeping up with the culinary scene is a big part of my life. And together, my husband and I have two little girls, both sweet and sometimes a tiny bit salty, who we are raising to try new things, appreciate good food, and love the people, places, and things in our city. Hi, I'm Candace Wu, the founding editor of Eater San Diego, a site dedicated to breaking food news, covering restaurant openings, and offering local dining guides. I've been a freelance food writer in San Diego for more than a decade, writing about the restaurant industry, craft beer, farms, fishermen, and everything in between. I started my culinary career working in a restaurant kitchen before moving to restaurant reporting, so while I'm not a professional chef, I think I'm a pretty decent home cook. Thank you for listening to the Scene in San Diego featuring Eater podcast. On this episode, we talk about the new wave of closures for bars, breweries, and restaurant dining rooms, and the full shift toward outdoor dining as COVID-19 cases surge in San Diego County. John Resnick, the owner of Jeanne Jolie in Carlsbad, joins us to talk about how his fine dining restaurant has converted its parking lot into an outdoor dining room that he calls the Starry Night Experience. Candice, it has been two weeks, two tiny weeks since we last spoke, restaurants and everything going on in San Diego and so much has happened it's like mind-blowing to me and it just shows you you know how fluid the situation is how we're basically just trying to keep up just like everyone else with what's going on what the rules are now and how our businesses and our community is surviving this pandemic so with COVID-19 cases rising and we were watching the numbers pretty closely we we had a feeling that something like this was going to happen I mean we had seen the writing on the wall we knew some closures were coming down on us um, but a lot really happened since the last time we spoke. So we're going to break that down for you. Just some of the highlights, uh, given that the public health order in San Diego County has changed and a large chunk of those changes have a lot to do with restaurant dining rooms. All right. So July 1st, effective July 1st, San Diego County public health officials, they announced that a curfew was going to be in place for restaurants that serve alcohol. And they said that restaurants that serve alcohol need to start closing by 10 p.m. now daily. And then if you're already sitting inside the restaurant by 10 p.m., you're allowed to stay until 11 p.m. But basically, that was the first big change was this restaurant curfew that started July 1st. And also on July 1st, San Diego's public health order called for the closure of bars and breweries that do not serve food. Since health officials said bars are social places and proper social distancing is difficult in that kind of environment. Uh, This order excludes wineries and distilleries, which are apparently still allowed to operate their outdoor tasting areas. And as all that was happening in San Diego County, that was last week. COVID-19 cases continue to surge across the state. Again, we were watching the numbers, um, knew a lot of things were coming down. And in the middle of last week, Governor Gavin Newsom, he ordered a new wave of restrictions for most counties in Southern California, except San Diego County. But then things changed again. On July 3rd, just before the 4th of July holiday weekend, San Diego landed on California's watch list, and we were told that a rollback on our county's reopening was coming, and that rollback would include the closure, again, of restaurant dining rooms and other indoor businesses. So, 
July 6th came around yesterday. And what happened, Candace? So the roller coaster continues. And at Monday's county news briefing, supervisors Greg Cox and Nathan Fletcher and county public health officer Dr. Wilma Wooten confirmed that San Diego County would start implementing some reopening rollbacks starting at 12.01 a.m. on Tuesday, July 7th. And the closures include all indoor service at restaurants, bars, distilleries, wineries, and breweries. Here's Nathan Fletcher talking about that. Bars, breweries, brew pubs, and pubs that do not serve food uh, must close all operations, uh, even if those operations are outdoors. Now, if you are a brewery, brew pub uh, that does not serve food, you are still allowed to do curbside sales uh, of your products, um, both uh, uh, to allow for pickup of your products. Wineries and distilleries in the state order have been separated from bars, breweries, and brew pubs, wineries and distilleries must close indoor operations but are allowed to have outdoor operations uh, with all appropriate modifications. So Dr. Wooten, she also spoke yesterday and she said on July 6th that there were 36 active outbreaks in community settings in San Diego County. And of those, 21 outbreaks were recorded in seven days. And remember, the county trigger was seven in seven days, set off that trigger, and it was alarming, and we needed to watch it closely. So she was saying there are 21 outbreaks in the past seven days as of yesterday. And then of those 21 outbreaks, 16 or 76% of them in the last seven days were in restaurants. Here's Dr. Wooten talking a little bit about that. Again, this supports the actions that we are taking today uh, and that are being imposed uh, upon us uh, by the state. Now, the closures that the county health officials have said are in effect now are going to be in effect for the next three weeks until at least July 27th. And they're going to keep closely monitoring the situation to determine what comes after that. So, I mean, we really don't know if these closures are going to last beyond that or not. I think it just depends on the cases, the surging, and how we're doing with all of the other county triggers. And beyond restaurant dining rooms, other indoor activities ordered to shut down for the next few weeks include movie theaters, family entertainment centers, indoor exhibits at zoos, indoor museums, and card rooms. So it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot of change again. It's, you know, people are calling it the second wave of The pandemic shutdown that we already experienced in mid-March, April, you know, May, we kind of started seeing a little bit of that shift and the reopening of restaurant dining rooms towards the end of May. And now, you know, here we are and we wonder, you know, how how are little businesses, how are those little restaurants going to survive something like this, Candace? I mean, they're still reeling from the first round of that shutdown. It's scary to think about how the next three weeks are going to go for a lot of restaurants that aren't able to expand outdoors. Uh, I'm afraid we're going to see some closures over the next month or so. And, you know, things are getting really tough for breweries, too. Um, The Miramar-based Pure Project Brewery just opened its first spot in North County in Carlsbad this past weekend. You know, and of course, its tasting room can't serve right now, and so they're only doing to-go beer. Uh, But the brewery said it's working on securing food service so that it can open its patio for outdoor seating later this month. Well, that's good. Yeah, I know a lot of a lot of breweries are trying to figure out, like, do we hire a catering company? Do we work with a restaurant? Like, how do we do this? And we know there's a lot of gray area there still. We had to get creative. We had to team up with another business to implement a food order to every single tab that we now open. 
So I think that's a work in progress as those types of businesses try to figure out their next step here. But, you know, I was I was looking around yesterday, just kind of seeing what some of the big the big small brewers, I guess we could say, are doing in in San Diego County and like Ale Smith, for example, said that they were still open, but they were partnering with a catering company for one week and then they were going to shift over to a food truck and obviously modifying their hours. And I think, you know, a lot of these breweries are still going to rely on the curbside pickup service that uh, became a big thing for them during the the full shutdown a few months ago. So um, it'll be interesting to see how all of that goes. I know we had a story on NBC a couple of days ago, you know, where the um, CEO of the, the head, I should say, of the California Restaurant Association, Jock Condi, he talked a little bit about what this next wave of shutdown was going to mean for a lot of restaurants in our state. And, you know, he simply said, this is going to be the last straw for a lot of restaurants. And uh, unfortunately, you know, we we can't help but feel that that is going to happen. We're going to see a lot of these closures because... How do you how do you weather something like this? You know, it's it's really hard. It's it's necessary for public health, but difficult for business owners. It'll be the the yo-yo of uh, owning and and operating a small business. Losing out on food service and drink service and the employees have come back to work, have, um, you know, really put their life on the line and to be out here. I just don't know where the lines are drawn and then exactly how firm they are with with the regulations. Nobody's angry right now. You know, we're just trying to deal with it. We have the full amended San Diego County Public Health Order available in our podcast show notes article on NBC7.com. And you can also read all of those changes that we just talked about line by line in a much greater detail um, on that document. So make sure that you check that out just so you can see the amended articles inside of that, that document there. You know, I have a feeling that we're going to see a lot of restaurants scrambling to add extra outdoor seating from, you know, expanding their patios onto sidewalks to annexing parking lots and parklets. Mayor Falconer is signing a new executive order that will streamline that permitting process to allow restaurants to do so. You know, so I I think we'll see a lot of individual eateries as well as, you know, entire neighborhoods trying to participate in outdoor dining. Um, There was a street side dining program recently launched in Encinitas and there's one going on in the gas lamp in Little Italy. I think in a response to the latest um, order this weekend, Little Italy is going to be expanding its alfresco dining event. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So now it's going to run from Friday through Sunday on India Street. Okay. And just as a reminder, that's when, you know, they shut everything down. They shut down the traffic in that area and they block it off. And then that way, you know, people can actually extend their dining rooms onto the curb, onto the sidewalk, onto the street so people can safely social distance and still, you know, eat and enjoy going out. But, you know, definitely in a in a bit of a safer environment being outside there. So so that's good. Um, and I had also seen last night, Candace, that a lot of the Hillcrest restaurants in that area are are really trying to, you know, fast track the permitting process too and get their patios extended. I mean, there are definitely a lot of uh, real small restaurants there in Hillcrest that don't have that type of patio space and could probably really use that boost from the from the outdoor setting. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it'll be a saving grace. Absolutely. We'll have to see how the the outdoor dining continues. And I mean, that's just the way it's going to be for now. And, you know, we'll have to see how how that does with our restaurants and, and what they can do. I mean, at least, you know, it's summer. The weather is really nice. We live in San Diego. I mean, our city lends itself to that outdoor 
space, but there is definitely a lot to think about, I think, for for many of these restaurants. Okay, so with restaurants having to shift to all outdoor dining in order to stay in business right now, we spoke with John Resnick. He is the owner of the Modern French Bistro, Jeune et Jolie, in Carlsbad. And uh, Candace wrote a story last month about how the fine dining restaurant was reopening with all outdoor service. So John actually didn't even open his dine-in service when the county green-lighted restaurants to do so at the end of May. He he waited a little bit, um, and he talks a little bit about that with us. You know, the reservations in opening up too fast or reopening too fast that first time around. Um, and he, he used the time really productively. He set up a real nice area outside and, um, you know, approached the outdoor dining strategy pretty interestingly. And Candace will tell us a little bit about that. Even though Jeanne and Jolie has a beautifully designed dining room, Resnick chose to keep that closed when restaurants were allowed to resume dining service, deciding instead to repurpose its 1,200-square-foot parking lot on State Street into an all-outdoor restaurant that reopened on June 22nd. The restaurant created a new reservation-only dining experience called Starry Night, which offers a five-course tasting menu for $95 a person. Jeune Jolie opened about two years ago, and it's gotten a lot of attention for its food and its ambiance. Like Candace said, the dining room is absolutely beautiful. Um, it was named one of Esquire Magazine's Best New Restaurants in America last year. Um, and the restaurant also won Eater San Diego's Coveted Restaurant of the Year Award in 2019, which Candace can attest is a an honor that is prestigious and everybody should want it. So... <laughs> John Resnick, um, he also owns Campfire, which is a restaurant in Carlsbad just down the street there from Juna Jolie. And he talks to us a little bit about how he's maintaining Campfire as well as June, you know, in these really difficult times. Here's part of our conversation with John Resnick. You were ahead of the curve in terms of focusing on outdoor dining when we talked last month for our Eater story. And at the time, you said one of the main reasons for the pivot is that you weren't confident that you could offer diners the hospitality experience you wanted to provide under the new rules and regulations. Can you talk us through that? It's funny. Like I guess the way I have been approaching this is there's no way we can do what we normally do right now. And normally what we try to do is welcome people into our doors make them feel like they belong where we are, provide, you know, authentic, engaging hospitality and hopefully some really good food and drink. Um, and really like connect with folks inside our restaurants. The restaurants are all, you know, the vibe and the environment is also part of the experience. And, you know, folks are usually pretty close together. There's a good amount of noise and energy in the space. And we realized, you know, with, I mean, I think we all kind of saw this coming in advance in terms of when we were allowed to reopen, what those limits would probably be. You know, we, we thought, okay, it's likely going to be six feet between tables um, and we're sure we're going to wear masks. So basically we, we had assumed most of those regulations that had come. So we thought knowing that's coming, what can we do uh, to try to, tr- you know, continue to create um, an engaging environment and a bit of an escape um, in normal times, we think that, you know, restaurants are one of those third spaces where people try to come and choose to spend their time outside of work and home. And we kind of really feel like there's something important about making people use that time well. 
And in the middle of a pandemic, that's just that much more the case. People are looking for a bit of an escape, a bit of some sense of normalcy in a very abnormal time. And so at June, you know, we've had, we had that, that patio outside. And so we just thought, you know, the best way we can do something good right now is to not do our normal thing. Uh, you know, it's, if you can't do something that is even remotely, I, I guess I'd say I'd rather do something totally different than a, you know, 10 time Xerox version and sanitized version of what we normally do. It just wouldn't have been fun for anyone. How did you sort of prepare the space for the switch can you can you tell us a little bit about how it's laid out and you know safety precautions that you implemented sure so i mean we did things at both restaurants at june and at campfire but for june had the the most drastic changes for those who don't know june is basically a two thousand square foot restaurant where everything is wide open there's no walls our kitchen is right smack in the middle of the restaurants there's no walls around the kitchen people literally sometimes there's one table that's in between the bar and the kitchen. And so we realized, okay, there's not much we can do inside this restaurant in terms of creating six feet between tables and trying to um, make this safe that we felt we could really do inside gym. And by making it safe, what I mean is um, for us, I, I keep saying to my staff, I'm not a scientist or a doctor, but it seems like open air is the name of the game right now and uh, how much safer it is outdoors. And uh, there's no real way to br- make the inside of June feel like it's outdoors. We've got this parking lot that is abuts our building. It runs parallel to our space. So it's almost, it's really almost the same size as of our, of our restaurant, exactly outside and running parallel. So what we did, um, for one, there's not a single guest inside the restaurant. Uh, basically ever. We have our back door to the, uh, which normally is only used for deliveries and for employees. Well, now that is the, uh, the entrance for guests to use the restroom should they need to. So no one even walks through the front door towards the space. Um, outside, we've got about 64 seats right now compared to normally, including the bar, we've got about 90. Uh, and we brought in three, you know, 20 foot, beautiful, mature olive trees built boxes for those. We brought basically all of our tables that could be moved inside June outside. And we even brought some tables from campfire over. Um, and, uh, and basically the idea was all of our tables, I'm being attacked by a cat. All of our tables <laughs> are at a minimum six feet apart and, uh, and obviously all outside. Um, so that is what we did, you know, for our, our dining room. Um, at June was basically just move this entire thing outside. Like, how can we get this whole place moved outdoors? The whole idea of Starry Night, which is what we're calling the June and Julie dining experience right now, it's a prefix menu. It's $95 you pay in advance. That does include tax and tip already. Um, and it's reservations only. Campfire is also operating reservations only, but we are trying not to have both of our restaurants on the same street be tasting menu only experiences. It really works at June because we normally offer a tasting menu. A lot of people are there to celebrate. June's a weird place where we want it to be a neighborhood restaurant and a special occasion place. What has the feedback been from sort of the employee side as well as the the customers in terms of the dining experience? Oh, it's it's challenging. From the guest standpoint, everything has been completely groovy and they're having a great time. I mean, everybody who comes in is having, I mean, I should say, 
hopefully everyone who's coming in is having a great time. For us, it sounds kind of backwards, but we care about the employee experience even before we care about the guest experience. You can't solve one without the other, even in normal times. And right now, what's some of our, just like everybody, some of our employees feel very comfortable coming back to work and some of them have quite a bit of anxiety. I've heard, John, a lot of restaurant owners that I know describe the, these times like, you know, the restaurant roller coaster. It, it literally is the ride that won't end, you know, and you don't know where the twist is going. You don't know what's next. So, I mean, that has to have an impact on morale. It's very hard. It, uh, it's very hard because we are used to riding very high. <laughs> like if we're on that roller coaster, we're used to having a lot of fun. Our employees take a tremendous amount of pride in working in our restaurants in normal times. And the culture of our restaurants is something that I'm probably most proud of. Um, and people love being there uh, and, and working there. And it is hard right now. And I think like for a lot of our team, when they came back, even though we tried to prepare them with the fact that this is not a normal time, of course, when you're home for three months and you come back to work, you want that feeling that you miss so much. I remember when we closed, I said to my staff, the thing that I'm looking forward to is our first all staff meeting when we get back. Because in my mind at that time, our all staff meeting was going to be all of us close together again, like we're back. And really, I was just so excited just thinking about that. And then of course, when the time came, our all staff meeting was outside six feet apart with masks on. Um, and, uh, and you realize, okay, we're not back. And so we have to approach this with a different level of expectation. And so what we try to do with our team right now in terms of morale is have them focused on being deliberate and being careful, but also focus on the things that are the same. And like the fact that like we're back together, people really like seeing each other again, and that we are serving guests who are having a really good time. And like we care about that. So I think trying to draw their attention to some of those good things is a balancing act because you don't want them to ignore how serious of a situation we're in right now. And so it right. basically our, our method right now is saying, this isn't normal. This is an abnormal time. And you need to kind of embrace that. Um, and the other thing we're doing is basically telling our team, like if they're not comfortable working right now, then they should not be working right now. And, you know, we will be glad to try to rehire them in the future uh, when they request it, if the timing works for us and all that, meaning like there's no judgment right now. And so it's like trying to find those moments of, of levity and joy, but it's, I mean, it's, we also recognize like this is, we're going through a very challenging time. And I think that one of the ways that help morale is being honest about that. As a restaurant owner, is that sort of your biggest challenge right now is what is like keeping you up at night the most? Um, so many things. Can <laughs> but, I mean, honestly, the thing that keeps me up at the night the most is definitely my team. That's true in normal times. The hardest moment for me in this entire thing was when I laid off our, our, our team. We kept them on for a while. Uh, I mean, it really mattered. It was just semantics, whether they were furloughed or laid off. But there was something, it was a mental hurdle there, and it was really difficult. And for me, one of the, this is my own paranoia, is I want these restaurants to be really good places to work. And so what keeps me up at night is, are they? If, are we doing that? Do people feel good? Uh, you know, I'm not in the restaurants and, and facing our guests as much as any of our servers are. And so I feel, uh, you know, are they wondering, am I doing enough? That's what keeps me up at night. And we have a great, our leaders and our managers are incredible and uh, our team is incredible. So I think we're doing 
it's hard to say we're doing the best we can just because like, are you, <laughs> you know, and that's what keeps me up. It's like, what else can we be doing right now to make our team feel good? I have a banner uh, in our office that Arsalan uh, gave me when I, uh, soon after I left consortium and it just says, figure it out. And, uh, it's a bit of like a mantra for us. And normally I think like, this is in my hands. If the restaurants fail or succeed, it's because of our will or lack thereof to make it happen. And it's hard when you're like, man, there's a lot of things that are not in my control right now. And that are, I just can't, I, I can't uh, manage this. And honestly, it's not even just pandemic stuff. I hate to say that it's also like everything else that's going on socially, politically, like all that stuff has filtered through our doors in a way that I've never seen before. Uh, meaning, you know, something that we believe and we talk about a lot is that restaurants are places. This is something that Brian Canlis in Seattle said once, and he, he said restaurants have the power to convince people that it's better to turn towards each other than it is to turn away. And it's something that we really believe. And it's tricky right now because there's so much going on and there's so much stress from basically everybody that uh, it's more challenging than ever, I think, to make people feel like we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a hard thing in restaurants when you have people from all sorts of backgrounds, beliefs uh, coming in and typically we're there to just make people feel really good and that's what we're still trying to do. But it just, there's extra tensions uh, yeah. right now that, are, that you feel. Yeah. Uh, so. Taking all that into account, what is what do you think that means sort of for the future of you know the industry of, of your restaurants you know in particular and does that impact how you think about you know what other projects you're going to do in the future and and what they'll look like it's hard to think about the future so much right now when the present is so tricky but obviously we are i mean i guess the only thing that i think with all this going on is it is going to take a great amount of communication and dialogue with our team um, and uh, being transparent. When we, like, for example, when we did our all staff meeting with both restaurants and we were sitting outside, you know, we told the team, like, we have been thinking about this for a long time, the safety procedures, the things that we've done in our restaurants, but we haven't thought of everything. And so we're looking forward to hearing their ideas as well. And I think, honestly, one of the, the things moving forward is going to be about trying different things and having everybody being able to communicate enough that it's like, this is what we're trying to do. And then these are all the little ways we're going to try to do it. And, and uh, maybe the idea of not taking things for granted. I mean, I will say, like, as much as I care about my team and my guests, I also feel like we're looking back. It's like I took a lot of it for granted for a while. And just like, these are great places to work. The restaurants are wonderful. We have amazing guests coming in. Everyone's going to be groovy. And obviously, there's all the challenges of managing a restaurant. So all that stuff was there. But now it just feels this is that much more delicate. Um, you really kind of recognize now how delicate of an ecosystem this is. Which, I mean, I obviously thought I was pretty darn aware of how delicate an ecosystem and fragile restaurants were. Uh, but now that much more. And the, the main thing that seems delicate right now is our team and being able to, you know, work through all these challenges with them. I know you said originally that you would run Starry Night until maybe September. How are you feeling now about, you know, current, current conditions, extending it? Definitely be beyond September. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the city of Carlsbad worked with us to get 
a temporary permit basically created to activate the parking lots throughout the village. Um, and I think ours right now is good till the end of the year. And obviously this is like, this is a new thing they just made so we can extend it if need be, I'm sure. But basically uh, I, at this point, this is just what we're going to be doing for a while. Uh, I don't know if that's like the end through 2020 or if it's next year, I think we're, I mean, we're not going to be going inside until things have changed quite a bit. Even a campfire right now, we're having conversations. Okay. We got to be, we all know we have to be closed right now for three weeks on inside. If we get off that watch list at the end of three weeks, we're not even sure if we're going to have people sit back inside a campfire right now. Um, that is not because of a safety concern because we feel very confident with what we've done inside, but we can't, uh, we can't be on, you know, the roller coaster you talked about. It's like roller coaster is fine, but a yo-yo and, and like going up and down and getting stuck at the, at the top of the ride uh, is something that like is going to be really tricky and challenging. So for us, it'll, we'll probably stick with just the outside for at least a little bit of time to try to get a better sense of how solid is the ground that we're on right now. I was going to ask you, John, um, I thought it was so interesting that, you know, the, Local restaurants were allowed to reopen May 21st. Um, you guys waited because you wanted to kind of figure out this this whole concept of moving everything outdoors. So, I mean, are you glad that you waited a little bit? How do you feel about that time that you were kind of in, in limbo there? So uh, for us, it was we waited for two reasons. One was because we literally needed to get the, re the restaurants ready. We had people asking us, because we were still doing to-go food at that point, and we had folks picking up food and saying, I thought you guys would be open right now. I thought you'd be gung-ho. <laughs> Well, we do want to open, but yeah. we're not flipping a switch here. But the other thing was we really wanted to wait about a month to make sure we felt good about our reopening in term, from a health standpoint and also from a, um, you know, are they going to close us again? I'm definitely glad we waited. Uh, I guess one part of me feels like there really was no choice. I don't even know if we could have done it faster. Maybe we yeah. did it up a week. Um, but it's, I, I do wonder that right now. Should I have waited longer? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel we'll see how Campfire is able to sustain uh, operations with, you know, relative, roughly a third of our seats. So. Yeah. I know when Candace told me about June going to the outdoor seating, I was like, what? Hmm. That's not a restaurant that seats people outside, you know? So if a couple of years ago when you guys opened, somebody would have told you, hey, one day, you're going to have all your seating outside. Your restaurant's actually going to be in a parking lot. Mm -hmm. What would you have said? I mean, that just must have like, you know, does that blow your mind to move this beautiful, modern, fine dining bistro outside? Yeah, I can't even tell you. I mean, when we were starting to do this, the par I mean, the parking lot, I never noticed how unattractive the parking lot was before. <laughs> I've now seen some before and after photos, but it's a parking lot. The first thing we did was we brought in the trees and uh, basically we have all these bit, three big trees down and trees that big don't come in boxes. So we had to build these three piles of soil, crane the trees down and then build the boxes around them. And in that process, there's just these three big, beautiful trees, but just sitting on dirt in a parking lot. And we're sitting there with chairs and tables and measuring and it's real hot out. And uh, we were all sweating, trying to figure out what, how many tables we could get. And then we walked inside the restaurant for a moment into my beautiful, air-conditioned, lovely restaurant. And I thought, what the hell am I doing? Uh, it is crazy. I mean, June is 
I can say it because I didn't design it. One of the most beautiful restaurants that I've been in. I love that restaurant. I love Campfire too. I mean, I really do love both of these restaurants. And when I'm inside June, it is just a really spectacular place. And I looked at it and I just, I definitely had some second thoughts. Like, what are we doing? Should we do this with only five tables somehow? Is this a giant waste of money? Why, you know, we're in a parking lot. Are people even going to want to do this? Not only, you know, a restaurant like ours, but now we're saying it's going to be a tasting menu only. You're going to spend almost $100 just on food when you come here. Uh, Will anybody show up to this thing? And luckily, like, it's amazing what a coat of paint can do. After those, after those trees went down, the next thing we did was paint uh, the parking lot. And, uh, and then I bought all these trees that go on the perimeter, which I didn't mention earlier, but we bought almost 30 of these like really beautiful kind of like seven foot yellow wood uh, trees to kind of make a bit more of like a wall around the perimeter to give a, a little bit more sense of privacy. And, uh, and then once the string lights went up, I felt really good about it. Um, I was sitting there, actually, uh, my buddy, Chef Travis Swigard came up and that night, like right after the, the string lights were hung and we were just sitting there, I'm like, I think this is gonna work. Like, this is pretty cool out here, so. But it was definitely a bit of a leap of faith for us. It's just take it one, one day at a time. So we have so many of these topics in our Eater San Diego NBC7 Roundup that we talked about today, and that Roundup publishes every Friday on the scene section of NBC7.com. Candace, she is out covering these stories from our local food and drink scene all week, and then she comes and shares you know, what she's learned with us, and we, we just like to have that article up every Friday so that people can really get a gauge for what's going on out there. And especially now in these COVID-19 times, I think you know things are different. The coverage is a bit different. So we have that for you um, up and running on NBC7.com. And you can also find everything we talked about today in our show notes article, and that's also going to be on nbc 7 and Candace will have an article on sandiego.eater.com and you can listen to our podcast again there if you'd like or just kind of check out the different links to some of the stories that we talked about today just so you can brush up and pretty much get to know everything that's going on right now in our in our food and drink scene. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe to Scene in San Diego featuring Eater on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher, wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. We'll talk to you again soon, probably with news of even more changes and always a lot to chew on. Thanks for listening.